a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode you may recall that we've done quite a few uh, episodes so far as part of a, a mini-series around the 10 disciplines of love. And in this one, episode number seven, we're going to be looking at the, the discipline of polarity. And to guide us through that uh, polarised journey is none other than Kelly Branley from Switzerland. Kelly, as ever, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Paul. Great to talk to you. And um, okay, so I suppose uh, to set things rolling, Kelly, a couple of questions, the old um, what and why. What is polarity and why is it important? (laughs) Great way to start us off. Well, polarity, I guess we can start by looking at it as the, the old adage of opposites attract. And that's what the discipline of polarity is. It's about using opposite energies, we can say. So we define Um, the different energies in terms of masculine and feminine energy, although it doesn't necessarily mean male and female. So both men and women have both energies within them and it's, they tend to have one that's more dominant. And so if we look at the energies, the male energy is what we usually associate with being more protective, assertive, um, action oriented and sort of outcome driven. That's kind of how we experience masculine energy, whereas the feminine energy is much more nurturing, say compassionate, uh, sensual, and I think the key is receptive. And when we have those at two opposite ends of the spectrum is when we get the polarity. And polarity is so important in relationships because this polarity, according to research, um, shows us what gives um, one sexual desire but it also helps couples keep passion alive. So it's really, really important to understand how to use these energies effectively within a relationship. Mm. So I know that we can have um, you know, masculine energy women and feminine energy men. Would, do they work together, Kelly? Do they, does that yeah, well, I was... I was thinking about this and, you know, for some people it's hard to sort of get their head around this concept of being a masculine energy woman or a feminine energy man. But we can see this very clearly if we look at children and we see their dominant energy, their natural authenticity coming through. And, you know, you can see a young girl who can have a group of children around her and she'll be the one, you know, taking the leadership role and directing everybody and saying, we're going to do this and we're going to play this game and these are the rules. And you see that very masculine energy coming through. Um, Similarly, in a young boy, you might see that nurturing compassion for other children or for animals or the environment. And 
through our sort of socialized upbringing and training, we tend to uh, move away from what was our natural energy and become what society expects. But it is very much an inherent um, characteristic of each individual to have one of these dominant energies. And so masculine energy women, as they grow up and become adults, we will often see them being incredibly successful in their careers um, because they're able to use this energy. But they may, on the flip side, struggle with love and relationships because they want a similarly masculine energy man, but there's no polarity in that relationship. Nobody's there to receive. And then they end up in a competitive relationship where they're both trying to drive um, the relationship forward and make things happen. Mm. One of the things, listeners, that Kelly and I have done, and indeed on other podcasts, is started introducing what I term humour alerts. And I'd like to introduce one at this very early juncture, just picking up what Kelly was talking about there, particularly with young children. So my own upbringing was from a very tough inner city um, existence. And so in later years, uh, about 10 years ago, to be precise, I went back to my old primary school to try and, you know, do one or two projects, you know, local boy made good and, and just, just try and help out because it was a very, it's a very deprived area. So I spoke to the head teacher. I said, okay, um, wouldn't it be great if we could put on some boxing classes for the boys and some dance classes for the girls? And he said to me, how long have you been away from this area, Paul? And I said, oh, you know, <laughs> quite naively. Oh, a long time now. He said, yeah, clearly. He said, do you not understand what happens now is the girls box and the boys dance. And, you know, <laughs> I just thought that was, um, you know, when you were speaking there, Kelly, about that, you know, that nurturing, I love that word nurturing, you know, how we, you know, with our young children, we, you know, we teach them these lessons and we, we exchange this energy and guide them on this certain path. But I just wonder to what degree we, uh, as the adults, as the parents, carers, guardians, call it what you will, our own condition, our own subjective conditioning is imparted on our children. Because, you know, for myself, I was brought up in a very, very, very strong male-dominated ex-mining community. When I say very strong male-dominated, actually, that's not strictly true because I love this word, matriarch. The matriarch ruled the house. But that mm. very sort of old-fashioned, right, you know, I'm the man of the house and this, that, and the other. I mean, I think a lot of it was, was uh, boom and bluster because the reality was, in, in the vast majority of cases, the matriarch ruled the house, particularly where the children were concerned. The only role that the, the male had in those days, um, Kelly, was to go out and put a wage packet on the table every Thursday, um, mm -hmm. to which is usually get five shillings, which is around 25p or 25 centimos in, in, in euros. And then that's it, right? You've got your money back. The rest is mine for the family and the house. So that it's just interesting, isn't it, how the polarity has changed over the years. It has, and I work with a lot of clients, and this is one of the sort of presenting issues a lot of time is this societal expectations, you know, whether it's women or men coming to me, you know, they say, 
I know I should want a man that behaves in this way or a woman that behaves in this way. But every time I get into a relationship like that, it doesn't work for me. And when we peel back sort of the layers of what's going on, we often come to this discrepancy between their natural um, leading energy and what they've grown up believing they should want. And I've seen, you know, amazing things happen with clients just helping them understand where they naturally um, interact with people at, at what level that they suddenly can get into a relationship that is amazing and wonderful for them with a partner who's completely the opposite of what they thought they were looking for. And it often comes down to this polarity issue and this dance between the energies. And one thing that for me is so important is to encourage people to say, you know, it doesn't matter if you are the most masculine man or the most feminine woman, you have both energies. And what you need to learn to do is to play with those energies and to access both of them. So even in a dynamic where you've got a strong energy man and a, a strong feminine energy woman, they can switch those energies and create, okay, I'm going to go in, into it. Sorry, I haven't gone as far as I was planning this, this episode on the six human needs, <laughs> but I'm going to go there um, because this uncertainty and this playfulness that you want to keep in a relationship to keep the passion alive, playing with the opposite energy. Um, so your less dominant energy is one way to rebuild and rekindle passion in a relationship and to create that uncertainty and that variety. Mm. Yeah, we didn't we didn't last very long, listeners, Kelly and I, on the six human needs. We, you know, as we flagged up many times before, um, we are, I'm sure, I'm sure that we'll get through a whole episode. Maybe not on these 10 disciplines. I don't know. Who knows? Um, <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of being in the moment. We just literally do not know. Watch this space. But, so, Kelly, how, how do we know without assuming, because assumptions can be very dangerous in our lives, can't they? But how do we know what energy we're in predominantly? How do we know that? Well, I mean, sort of as a, a rule of thumb, if you're in the masculine energy, you're all about action and doing. And if you're in the feminine energy, you're more about receiving. So you're in a much more passive role to receive. And, you know, you can look at your career versus your personal life. Um, you know, a lot of people in their work environment need to access that masculine energy to get things done. Um, and then in other parts with friends and family and their intimate relationship need to learn to be able to also receive in that situation. So it's kind of an easy way. I mean, there's a lot more depth, of course, of within each of these energies and, and ways to access them and learn how to be much more in one energy versus the other. But I think mm. that's a good way to sort of keep it in your mind. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to introduce another humor alert here, because I feel in a really playful, creative, almost, I'm, I'm, I'm peel your ears back, listeners, for this naughty mood. So anyway, I'm just going to offer this scenario, Kelly. So, okay, I'm new to the dating scene and uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm becoming aware of this thing called energy because I know a lot of people aren't. Uh, and I know that from the many conversations I've had. So, okay, so, right. I've been brought up a certain way, you know, and let, let, let me stick to that role, if I may, of that 
of that uh, breadwinner. You know, I come home on a Thursday, I put my wage packet on the table and that's it. I'm in this very, very, uh, you know, I work down the mines. I'm in this very strong male dominated world. And I've, I've become aware because of everything I've researched until I am in a strong masculine role. So, okay, I'm on my own and I want to start dating. So I've got this idea, right, what I need then is a woman that's in very strong feminine energy. So my, my opening line would be, okay, woman, let's get married because I'll put my wage packet on the table every Thursday and you can cook the dinners and look after the house. How would that go down, Kelly? Yeah, I, th I think you're mixing up a little bit energies with um, sort of old-fashioned gender roles. <laughs> Um, which don't don't always equate. <laughs> okay. um, there there may be a woman there that's looking for exactly that and could be a great fit. But I think yeah, playing into the masculine energy in in such a a stereotyped way um, isn't what we're talking about here when we're talking about polarity and being mm. dominant. Because within the energy, so when I talk about you know, the, the nurturing versus this action oriented. We're talking about the positive display of these energies. There is, of course, a flip side to that, which is the negative display of these energies. And what happens is when the masculine energy sort of flips into the negative, it can become quite aggressive and controlling. Um, possessive is a word I would use there. And when we look at abusive situations, it's often that strong, dominant, masculine energy being used in a negative way. And on the feminine flip side of that with the negativity, we have this extremely submissive, subservient, overly people-pleasing type of woman um, who isn't strong in her feminine energy. She isn't representing a woman who's um, got high self-worth and self-value. And when you end up with relationships where both are in the, the negative display of the energy, you end up with actually quite unhealthy dynamics. So I would say at the extreme, it goes into the dysfunctional and I would use the word codependent type of interaction there. Mm. So, so we want to stay in the positive display of the energy. So really, Kelly, on that particular example there, I let my creativity go a little bit too far, did I? <laughs> Perhaps a smidge too far, yes. <laughs> just, just a smidgen, listeners, just a smidgen. And yeah. I reinforce that creativity word, Kelly, because I know we've spoken, um, you know, the previous disciplines, the previous six disciplines, you know, around this whole kind of fun, playfulness, creativity, call it what you will. Um, and from my own point of view, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sort of, you know, this polarity from the work that you do um, as a, you know, as a dating and relationship coach and executive matchmaker, you know, polarity is, is important, obviously. Um, but, you know, how critical is it? You know, what is the process for dating? I'm, gonna, I'm kind of going a little bit left field here and off the path. But, you know, I've come to you, Kelly, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to I want to start dating again. Now, you've just told me that that caveman approach ain't going to work. OK, so I've got rid of that one. That's fine. Um, ish. It's probably take me 30 years to to get, you know, get rid of that conditioning. But yeah, I'll come back and see you in 30 years time. Um, so we've got this whole thing around this polarity. You know, how do 
once we're aware that you know, one of the key things is this need, but how do we start dating again, Kelly? And I know that's a little bit away from the, you know, the specifics of what we're talking about, but surely it embraces it as well. Yeah, it's, it's a really great question. And most of the work that I do is I work with um, singles after divorce. So they've come out of a relationship and to highlight how important this is, most of them come to me with sort of one of two complaints. One was either um, we had a relationship that over time we had no passion and we were just unhappy. So I love my spouse, but I didn't trust him or her or there were things like addictions and adultery that plagued the relationship and they want to know how to move away from that. Or the other one that I get a lot is, you know, we love each other, but there's just simply no passion. We're just great friends. We're great roommates. I love and respect him or her, but I want more. And both of these two scenarios stem from the lack of polarity in the relationship that both partners are too close. So there's not enough um, distance in the energy to actually get that playfulness, that dynamic, that passion, the lust um, to come back. And so when I start coaching my clients after a relationship, this is one of those areas that they have to um, understand because when they start dating, um, you know, we talk about in sort of dating lingo, um, you can end up in the friend zone. And the friend zone is often because, you know, you're showing up without displaying your true authenticity, your dominant energy, and therefore the other person isn't getting a feeling of what um, sort of, I guess you could say role, although I don't want to, to pigeonhole it too much, but yeah, where you're going to play in this relationship and where they're going to have their role in this dynamic. And it's a subconscious thing we do, but when we start to talk about it, it becomes conscious. And then you'll be much more successful in, in early dating if you understand how important it is to show up with your, your authentic energy. And there's, is, is there a train of thought as well, Kelly? I mean, obviously, there's industry experts. Uh, I certainly class yourself in that. Um, people like Dr. Gary Chapman, Dr. John Gottman, for example. You know, is there a train of thought, that Kelly, that says, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to know the science. Is, is that spot there? Is it that je ne sais quoi? It just works. I don't know why it works, but it just works. I mean, you know, I'm probably, I don't know if I'm asking the wrong person here because obviously a lot of your, your work is based on extremely um, deep research as well as, you know, deep practical experience. But is there that something, Kelly, that says, do you know what? I haven't got a clue about the theory of dating relationships, but do you know what? This person in my life, I don't know what's going off, but boy, does it work between us. How, how, what, what's the balance on that? I would say the vast majority of people that I meet work on that function or on that belief that a relationship works when the spark or the chemistry is there. And at the beginning of working together, they always say, I don't care about the science or all these rules that you have. I just, I'm looking for the spark. Um, the, the problem with that is, and this is my fundamental belief in what I teach people, is that oftentimes the spark, it's a chemical reaction that happens in our body based on familiarity, which means when we meet somebody and it triggers that familiarity button, um, we feel this sort of instant connection to them. 
The problem with that is, is that familiarity isn't always positive. So if we take a really extreme example, um, you know, uh, let's say women that end up in abusive relationships often have a history of abuse in their past. And the reason for that is when they meet a man who triggers that familiarity button, they feel a spark and an attachment, but it's because they recognize something that they're used to dealing with and that doesn't make it a healthy relationship. And what also happens is when you get that spark and you let that drive you, you um, often fail to look at the potential for compatibility and the potential for a long-term relationship. And I teach looking at your core values, so what's really important to you. And when we're in that sort of honeymoon phase and our bodies were filled with all these love hormones and connection hormones, we overlook all those red flags that come up later. And, you know, that's why people are in a relationship for one, two, three, four, sometimes 10 years, because at the beginning they ignored those, even though they were there and they come up later. So I advocate to all my clients um, to move away from that mindset that you need the spark, you need that, that lust feeling and to look more what science shows and proves actually creates a healthy long-term relationship. As you said, Rhoda Kelly, it's, it's like everything in life, isn't it? Whether it's relationships, it doesn't really matter what it is. From my humble uh, experience and opinion, it's when we, look, when we talk about mastering the game of life, the only way we can do, or should I say the first step to doing that is to learn the rules of the game. Because if you don't know the rules of the game, how are you really going to master it? Yeah, and this is one thing that I, I fundamentally believe is we're not taught these relationship skills. And I so wish we were. I so wish our school systems actually were educating people on relationship skills, how to communicate in an intimate partnership, how to understand and select the right partner, because we're making these on based out of feelings and emotions that don't always guide us in the best um, decision making. And so, you know, I think it's not our fault that we don't know these things, but we all have a responsibility to educate ourselves and to learn. And I think it will create a lot more healthy, happy partnerships when you understand what it is that's going on and making that um, a successful relationship. I just smiled quite consistently there, Kelly, listening to you speak, because you've mentioned certain words there like compatibility. We've already spoke around creativity. You've just mentioned the core values. And for myself, and this is just based on, based on my own experience, um, I've got something what I call my five C's of relationships. And it's around compatibility that you've just mentioned. But the first one, actually, if I can try and put them in some, some order, I think the first thing is, and we joked about this, so maybe time for another humor alert, listeners. Um, when I said, if I went out on a, you know, in the future, a hot date or whatever, yeah, one of the most unromantic questions I would ask is, okay, so what's your vision for the future? What's your values? And, you know, people laugh at that. So the first one for me, Kelly of the five C's would be the core, the core value and vision. You know, what, who are you? What are you about? What do you believe in? Where are you going? What's your aspirations for your life? So that's the core, the compatibility, the compassion, the creativity, and the commitment for when things don't quite go right. So they're my five C's. So it's just interesting to you listening to you there. Um, 
you know, talking about these things and how some of those key C words were, were in your, uh, in your dialogue there, Kelly. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I mean, your question, Paul, I, I tell my clients that. So, um, I completely subscribe to that understanding somebody's vision for life will tell you so much about what's important to them, uh, what they're committed to do, what they're willing to do in a relationship. And a lot of people are afraid to ask those questions. And I often am surprised by that because to me, that's such a fundamental basis when you're looking to date and start a life with somebody that you want to know where the two of you could be going together. Uh, so absolutely. And, uh, and I, I have a, a tool that I use with my clients and I call it the five plus two, but it's, it's a similar thing of what are your top five core values that you need to look for in a potential partner. And a lot of those things that you mentioned in yours are what come up most commonly for people and science also proves that those tend to be the most important areas of life that need to match in order to have a successful relationship. Mm. Yes. Very, it's a very profound subject, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, I think it's one of those that you could talk for hours and hours and hours just on, on this one particular discipline, as we could have done the others, Kelly. In fact, where, where me and you are concerned, I think we can just talk for hours full stop. If there's, if, there's a, if there's a fly going up the wall, I think you and I could talk about that, literally, not for hours, but for days. Oh, look, Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not really going as fast as he, as he should be. Oh, I don't know. He's going quite anyway. Anyway, listeners, we digress. We digress. So, yes. so we've got the relationship up and running, um, Kelly. We've got past the dating stage. You know, there's that certain, as I call it, that certain je ne sais quoi. I don't know what, but that spark, as you call it. How do we keep the relationship alive and thriving? You know, that polarity. How do we maintain that polarity? And it comes back to, like you said, keeping that playfulness, um, as we talked about, and learning to play with these energies and switch it up and surprise um, in a relationship can create so much passion you know uh, I think if you've been in a relationship for over a decade with your partner there's so much expectation and predictability and by utilizing your energy and breaking that predictability that's where you can re-spark passion and, you know, if you're a lady and, you know, you're, say, staying at home with the children, your husband's probably used to coming home after work, you know, seeing you um, getting dinner ready, looking after the kids. I mean, take, a, take a, an evening and plan and, you know, put on a dress, look feminine, put on some lipstick and just see what happens when you go into that feminine energy, you let him take care of you. And I promise just little things like that can re-spark a relationship that's gone a little bit stale. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. We mentioned, well, I mentioned uh, Dr. John Gottman earlier on, Kelly, and I know you've done, you've mentioned him previously as well. I mean, what's, what's his particular, I mean, does this, this whole, these 10 disciplines, I think you alluded to in the, the first one we did, that it's, is the source, the original from sort of the Tony Robbins school of thought, um, yeah, so I, the, the 10 disciplines, Tony Robbins actually has a program, I think it's called Ultimate Relationships is the name of it, where he has 10 disciplines. And I've taken his 10, but I've adapted them slightly and integrated my own research and concepts from other 
um, relationship experts that I follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the backbone comes from Tony Robbins, but I follow um, John Gottman has influenced some of this. Um, there's a family therapist that I really love called Stan Tatkin. Um, he comes up with, I think it's the next discipline about um, relationships and the couple bubble I've integrated. So it's a bit of a, a mixture of different theories, but yeah, Tony's sort of the inspiration for the concept. That makes for a very rich creativity, though, doesn't it? You know, when we rely on the, the structure and the science of inverted commas, world experts, and then we then amalgamate and put our own deep experiential learning in that. I think that's a beautiful combination. It's certainly an approach that I adopt in, in my work. You know, rely on the science and the stats and, you know, and everything that's from people that have gone there before but don't rely on it wholly. What about your voice? What about your experience? You know, be bold and, and, you know, be prepared to stand up and say to the world, well, actually, this is my experience. This is my life. This is my story and own that. So um, anyway, I digress very slightly there. I think I'm still reeling Kelly from introducing three humor alerts in one, in one discussion, but um, <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's great. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's important. And, and in relationships, humor is, you know, the heart of it all. And I think um, it highlights how important it is to keep fun alive. So there we have it listeners. I'm just going to invite Kelly in uh, one final big question at the end for Kelly, as it always is. But uh, before we do that, listeners, I'm going to ask, and invite Kelly into to share her contact details you know for you to get in touch with her reach out you know the lady has got an immense amount of fascinating but really hard hitting practical good steps uh, in relationships so Kelly what are those details yes yeah, so you can visit my website at kellybrandley.com that's spelled k-e-l-l-y b-r-a-n-d-l-i and at kellybranley.com forward slash mastering the game of life. You can go there and I have a free download where you can get all the 10 disciplines of love for yourself. So the one big question then, Kelly, I suppose it's, it's good to keep it on point, or, you know, because obviously the focal point of this um, seventh discipline um, was around polarity. I mean, are they in any particular order? That's I don't think I've asked that question before. You know, does one re- are they sequential? Does one rely on the previous one? Or- no, 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 no. Okay. Um, so let's stick to the polarity one then. So in terms of that, what would be your number one piece of advice to leave with our listeners around polarity and relationships? Um, so my big advice on this one is get in touch with your inner core and your dominant energy but also learn um, to play in the space of your non-dominant energy because when you can play with the energies, that's how you can sustain this magnetic attraction or rediscover passion um, that you may have experienced long ago and keep a very exciting, fun-filled, energetic, and fulfilling relationship. Super. So there we have it, listeners, the very, very, very insightful Kelly Branley, as I've said previously, Kelly is a dating and relationship coach and executive matchmaker. And so all that remains now, as you know, listeners, is for me to sign off by saying, remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing 
our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. 